0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire and I'm an Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30am Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Oh, I'm Angie Wagler. I am part of a Rise Now with my husband, Paul, and I am really glad to be with you this morning delighted actually. The last times we were here, well I guess the last time we were here I didn't actually come with Paul because um, I started coughing during the night and I was like well I can't go anywhere when I'm coughing. It didn't turn out to be COVID just so that you know that but um, but I missed that but I am really delighted that we didn't have snow when we came today, beautiful drive here today, and because the last times that uh, that we were here, um, we had a little issue with snow. So, better time of year to come. Am I making some sort of a noise with, okay. Um, so, I just wanted to say a little bit about what we do. Uh, arise now, We we come and we speak, is it, Should I just grab the um, handheld? It may be my ear. Maybe this. Okay. Maybe it's my hair. No, no. I find that sometimes uh, we, we, do, um, we do a Sunday morning program on Facebook, and we have mics, and, um, and sometimes uh, when my hair was a little bit longer, I turned my head, and it, it would make a noise with the mic, and I was like, it was good we pre-recorded that one. I'm like, we have, to pre- we have to redo that one, because it was making some noise. So as a rise now, we do a few things. We come and we speak. Uh, it's my hair. You think it's my hair? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we speak in places like today. We do um, some videos on social media Facebook and YouTube, uh, two minute wake up calls, and our Sunday morning program with Paul and Angie. We used to do a radio show, be weekly guests on a radio show in, out of Brantford. That ended earlier this year because our dear friend Minnie Moore, who was the host of this show that was a daily show. Um, She passed away, so um, we no longer do that, which we're, we're sad. Shall I grab the handheld? Yeah. Okay. That's... Okay. Are we better now? I think we're better now. Good, and we've written some books, and we have a book table uh, at the back, so I invite you to check those books out. Uh, Paul has written a series of books, Lessons Learned on the Seat of Something, and so Lessons Learned on the Seat of His Bus, His Bike, he's an avid cyclist, Uh, used to have a mountain bike team for a number of years, so he knows a thing or two about riding a bike and uh, lessons learned on the seat of his truck because he's been a truck driver as well so um you can check out those books and i've written a book called all my rooms and this is an invitation for a journey with jesus and it came out of a, a ladies retreat that i did and and i believe that it's a word for the church not just the ladies but men for you too to invite jesus into every area of our lives just like a house. We're a house. We're like the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so this is a, is a workbook that we look at different rooms of the house, and Jesus wants an invite in. It's kind of like when we think of Revelation. John has this encounter with Jesus. It says, on the Lord's day, he was in the Spirit, and Jesus shows up. Jesus doesn't look how he looked when he walked with him. No, he had hair that was white as snow and his eyes were blazing fire and he was glowing he was like radiating when when john had this vision of jesus and jesus shows up and he says i've got a i've got a word for the churches in asia minor i and, and john saw jesus standing among the lampstands. the lampstands were the churches isn't that right a church is a stand it holds something it's a structure but what does it hold it holds the light and we're the light of the world City set on a hill can't be hidden. We're the light of the world, and so Jesus shows up to John. He says, "I've got a midterm report card for my church. There were some things they were doing right, some things not so well, some things needing improvement." That's what this book is about, you know. At the end, he there's seven churches. There's a word for each one. The last one Jesus gets to, he says, "Listen, it's like this. I'm knocking." I'm knocking at your door. Now, it's an interesting picture because we know that the Holy Spirit's supposed to be in us. We know that Jesus, when we accept him, he's in our lives. But Jesus was standing outside the door and he says, open the door and I'll come in and eat with you and you with me. I've got something to say. We can, we can do this together. And so that's what this book is about. Now, um, I've also done up a series of notebooks. I just brought one up here. Um, If you like to take notes, if you like to journal, these are blank pages um, and there's larger ones too. They have some inspirational quotes um, in them, Uh, so I would encourage you just to have a look at those as well. I want to give both of these away. Who likes to journal? Who likes to write? Who likes to take notes? Who wants to actually take notes of what I say today? And they didn't bring a notebook along. Here you go. You can have the corgi one out of memory of the queen. And who wants to have a, a journey with Jesus? You know, I was um, I was at uh, one of the places that we were speaking, and um, we had been there before. And this was right after, the first time we were there It was right after I released the book. And the lady came up to me, and she says, I've never encountered the Holy Spirit quite like when I read your book. And then she went on to tell me all the things that had changed in her life. Now, I'm not saying that's going to necessarily happen for you, but I was delighted to hear that God was working through the book uh, and the pages of the book as people um, responded. Who wants a copy of my book? (laughs) There you go. Take it. Okay, well today we want to talk about called to increase. When I was asking the Lord about what I should be speaking, it was several months ago that I was invited to come. And every time I asked, I I, I just kind of got a whiff of called to increase. Called to increase. And I'm like, okay, well I guess that's what we're talking about today, which is interesting because it is uh, something that I talk about in one of the chapters in my book, uh, the home office chapter, about being called to increase we are called to increase and and when i think of the word call i think of the scripture that says um many are called few are chosen it's a parable that jesus tells about the wedding feast where they went out and there were many that were invited but everyone was too busy and then at the end of that story jesus says many are called few are chosen well what is being called being called is an invitation they had an invitation to come But who actually showed up? Those that showed up are the chosen ones. And so there's an invitation for us today to increase, and we're going to get into all of that. Um, And we want to not just be called, but we want to be chosen. We, We want to be invited, but we want to respond to the invitation. So we're going to look at this parable in Matthew 25 that was read before, and I like the way you read it. Um, my NIV says talents, but I know in the book, uh, when I quoted it, the NIV that I use there talks about the gold bags. I kind of like the gold bags uh, that that's recorded here in Matthew 25. The, what, the parable of the talents, talents were uh, a weight of measurement to begin with, then it became a currency. Um, and then as the church, as this became a parable, the church understands it more in terms sometimes not of necessarily a currency, but of any gifts and abilities that we have, right? So this parable, it kind of comes in a package. Uh, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, it's kind of a bit of a package of the whole thing, Uh Jesus, in the beginning of chapter 24, Matthew 24, he's at the temple with his disciples. And I think they're talking about the beautiful buildings that they see there. And Jesus says something to them about something that's going to happen in the future. And he says, you know, there's a time coming when not one of these stones will be left upon upon another. And later the disciples asked about that. And and so Jesus gets into talking a bit. The disciples have, they have three questions that they ask. They say, well, when is this going to happen? And then they ask, what are the signs of your coming and and the end of the age? What are the signs of the end of the age? So they ask three questions, two or three, depending on how you look at it. And Jesus answers. He tells them some stuff about what's going to happen. Then he goes into two parables, stories. He loved to tell stories. And I like that about Jesus. He liked to tell stories that illustrated things so from an earthly perspective we could understand some heavenly things. So he tells two stories, two parables. The parable of the ten virgins. Then he goes into the parable of the talents. And then he says some things about the judgment at the end where, he's, where the, the, the sheep and the goats are going to be separated. So I'm going to just jump back. I'm not going to say a lot about some of the rest of it, but I want to just say a little bit about uh, the um, the ten virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom. So he's illustrating some of the end time scenario sort of thing. And he, he says, you know, the bridegroom's going to come. We're waiting for our bridegroom yet today, aren't we? We're waiting for Jesus yet today. And he said, while they were waiting, they were all waiting for the bridegroom, these ten. And then he says, five are wise, and five are foolish. So the five that they were all waiting, all ten. The five who were wise had some extra oil with them. The five who were foolish didn't. Their lamps were burning. They all fall asleep. So the same thing happens to each one of the 10, they all fall asleep. They're waiting for the bridegroom. Get tired. Sometimes we get tired. We often see at the end of our two-minute wake-up calls, stay awake and stay alert. But they got tired. And don't we all get tired sometimes? The trials and the tribulations of this life, the things that happen along the way, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we feel like things have gotten really dark while we're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for him to do something. We're waiting for him to come. Well he does come in the story that Jesus tells. And when he comes, they all jump up. They're so excited to see him. But the ones that when they, well, they didn't see him right then. They heard he's coming. The herald is heralding that he's coming. And so they jump up and they, they trim their wicks. They cut off the stuff so that um, that's kind of in burnt so that it'll br- burn brighter. And the five foolish ones say to the wise one, oh, we didn't bring enough oil. Can we, can we borrow some from you? And they're like, no way you better go to the store and see if you can buy some. And so off they go and while they are away, the bridegroom comes and they miss out on going into the banquet with him. So that's a little summary. And then Jesus goes into this parable of the talents and he says again, so he's saying, just like in that parable, just like in that story, I got more to say about what it looks like when I'm, when I'm coming back. And I'm gonna read it actually out of my book because I've got the gold bags in there. And I kind of like the imagery of the gold bags. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So I wanna say that this sermon is brought to you by the letter E. Uh, We often, well, Paul really is really great with alliteration and all his points starting with the same letter, so I really try to do that too, if I can. You know, and I was like, ooh, I got some E words. That'll work today. So, entrust, that's the first word. Got to get my notes here. The master entrusts his wealth to three servants. And it says, each according to his abilities. So he knew these servants pretty well, didn't he? If he would entrust them according to their abilities, he's seen some evidence of what these people can do. He's seen what they are able to do. So he entrusts some of his wealth to them. So one gets the five bags. To another, uh, the two and then to the third one, the one bag. So when he gives them these bags of gold, he expects something from them. So first he's entrusting, now he's expecting something. He's expecting something as he gives them this, this, this gift. They are to steward, they are to manage what he's given. So he's entrusted them something and he's expecting something from them. Now, he goes on this trip, and once he goes, it says that the one who was given the five bags of gold, he immediately started using that that gift, started using that to produce more of what was given. So by the time, and it was a long time till that master came back, but when he did come back, that one who was given five had multiplied that, had increased that, had enlarged that, had expanded what was given. Some more E words. This one with the two bags did the same. Now, we know that the master expected something because when they brought those two, their, their, what they had earned, what they had made from what he had given, what they had increased, he was very delighted. He was... Filled with joy, he said, Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, enter into the joy of your master. I don't know if that's the NIV or if I'm going to King James, but um, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So he was happy. Well, After those two, the one with the one, I'm not thinking he's feeling too happy about having to approach the master at that point with what he had done, with what he had received. He starts off by just returning the one bag of gold. And he says, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, And gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. He went out and hid. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Hmm. So when the master comes back, he wants to examine. He wants to examine what has happened to his investment. And so this is what's happening here. Each one needs to give an account for what they've done, how they've managed this, um, what's been entrusted to them. Now, the master, I thought he was kind of harsh. I'm like, oh Jesus, isn't this kind of a harsh kind of story? He at least gave the one bag back. Yeah, he hid it in the ground, but he didn't lose anything. You know, He didn't lose it, but he didn't take any risks with it either. And the master was not happy, right? He says, at least you could have put it on with the bankers, which you know, like if you think I'm so hard and nasty, you could have at least done that because you know in that day they weren't, the Israelites were not supposed to lend uh, money to other Jewish people and charge interest. They could lend but like don't charge any interest to your brother. You can charge it to the other nations, but don't charge anything to your brother. No interest, right? And so so it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a dig at, uh, at them, at this man. If you thought I was so hard, you could have at least on that, you know, if you thought that that was part of my character. Hmm. So So we are called we're going to get a little bit back into to this guy here but I think we're gonna leave him for a moment. Why was Jesus so upset with him? Or why did Jesus say the master was so upset with him? I think it's because this thing of that, we are actually called to increase. We're not called to just let things be. God has sort of a principle. And uh, in, in, in chapter seven, home office chapter, I have a little part that's called called to increase. So we see this through the whole of the Bible, this, this increase that the Lord brings, and he starts it already in Genesis. Well, actually, before we get to Genesis, I want to just say that in Luke 2, it records something about Jesus when he was young. You know, uh, we, we have the stories of when he's born as a baby, and then we have this sort of this little interlude before he starts his, his, uh, his ministry where he's 12 and he goes to the temple. And, uh, and at that time, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and men. And if Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, don't we think we should be too? So this increased theme throughout the Bible starts in Genesis, Genesis one twenty two. God's pleased because he's made the fish of the sea, the birds of the air... And he says, let them increase. He declared that they would should increase. And then that's closely followed by uh, the creation of man, both male and female, in Genesis 1.28. He said that they were to increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it, that they should rule over the fish of the seas and the birds of the air and all of the wildlife. And he spoke increase over Noah in Genesis 8.17, one. And 9-7, he spoke increase over Hagar. Hagar was a maidservant of Abraham. She ended up uh, having a baby and, and things really went sour and she ended up taking off and she had an encounter with the Lord in this time when she ran away. And God promised her that her descendants would there would increase. Her descendants would increase and they would be too numerous to count. Yes, the descendants of Hagar and God confirms that to Abraham in Genesis seventeen twenty when He spoke of Ishmael's descendants. That was the baby that was born to Hagar. He spoke increase to Abraham when he was Abram, and confirmed his covenant. He reaffirmed the promise that he made to Abraham, uh, that he made to Abraham to increase to Isaac his son and to Jacob his son. He increased their number greatly in Egypt, even when they were under. Um, Such oppression. They were given promises to increase in the land when they went into the land of Israel. Deuteronomy 30.16 says, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to his commands, decrees and laws, and then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. He goes on to promise increase through his prophets. It was promised in material wealth as well. In Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18, he says, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength, the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. Here's that word again, ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. We see supernatural, blatant supernatural, increased stories, even in the Old Testament with Elijah and Elisha. There's a couple stories from both of them, or a story of both of them with widows, um, where, where the su- there's a supernatural provision of food for the one and the supernatural uh, multiplication of the oil for the other one so that she could sell that oil to pay off her debts. And we see these stories in the New Testament with Jesus too, turning water into wine for that wedding in Galilee and, and feeding the multitudes 5,000 and 4,000. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God and he taught it in terms of increase, using terms like sowing seed, producing a harvest or increase of investment. So we have these, this understanding of God wants to enlarge. He wants to increase. He wants to expand. So, why was it that this one servant wasn't able to take what actually he had? If he had the ability to produce more, he didn't. What stopped him? And I want to say that what he envisioned, another E word, envisioned, stopped him. It was his perspective. What did he say? I knew you were a hard man. How did he see that master? And how he saw that master, I want to ask us, how do we see God, our Heavenly Father? In life, do we see him as a hard taskmaster? Or do we see him as a loving father? How do we see him? Because our perspective that develops what we envision what we believe what we believe we will produce something in our lives with what we believe so that servant said i was afraid there was fear there what was that fear all about i'm not sure it's a story that jesus told but what is the fear like in my life And what is the fear like in your life that will stop you from doing the things that God has gifted you to do, has created you to do? I've battled fear a number of times in my life. And it's a funny thing, fear. It's a bit of an illusion. It's a bit of a facade. And I found that when I step through fear, like it's like going through a doorway, when I step through it, I wonder what was I scared about? Because somehow, whatever I was scared about didn't really exist and, and, and honestly, every time I get up to speak, I have a little bit of that going on in me. But the more I do it, the better I get at just squelching the fear and it's like, I know that you've come through every time. So there's, there's this fear that we need to sometimes walk through and put down so that we can walk in faith. I want to tell you a story, an example, another E-word, an example from my life. This, This parable actually is one of my favorite parables that Jesus tells. And why is it my favorite parable? Because I encountered God in this story in my own life and so what happened quite a number of years ago we're we're a cycling family Uh, Paul managed a, a bike team for a number of years and and I was never that hardcore in the cycling as the rest of the family but I did have a bike I did have a women's specific mountain bike I did have the gear So I had, you know, the helmet that you wear when you bike. I had the spandex that you wear when you bike. I had the socks and the gloves and I had the shoes, the shoes that actually clip into your pedals. And so um, we were out biking one night. We were out um, on some trails. Um, Some of the, the guys from the bike team, some of the old guys we used to call them, some of the old guys and the wives, and now we were told as the wives that um, there's some trails that are okay for you to, you know, good for you to, to to ride, which to me said, oh, they would be okay with my abilities, right? Um, and so okay, they double track, they should be they should be fine for us girls, but I think they overestimated us. So they were off riding their more difficult, difficult technical trails, and we were on these other trails that were supposed to be good for us to ride. And it wasn't long, I wasn't leading the way I was following along, but it wasn't long when we were biking and I started hearing the complaints come from the ladies ahead of me. Oh, wait till we get back and I talk to my husband. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I don't really want to go there. That sounds like complaining and murmuring to me. But um, it was so beautiful, the trees and the wildflowers. I'm like, oh, it is so nice. But it was kind of difficult riding some of these trails. So you gotta kind of watch what you're doing. Well, we came to a steep decline and I don't know what happened. Uh, Probably I had maybe too much speed going down or maybe I hit a rock or I don't know to this day, but I did what you call an endo. I went over the handlebars on the way down and did um, some somersaults, but the problem was I was clipped in with my shoes into the pedals, so it wasn't just me flying off the bike, it was me and the bike together, <laughs> and um, you know, ba-boom, ba-boom, boom and the ladies up ahead, of course, they heard the commotion, they turned around and they came back, are you okay, are you okay, and I kind of got myself up and I'm like, I don't know if I'm okay. But I got on my bike again, and I'm like, I'll just follow along. But I knew when I was biking, I had done something to my back. And that injury that I did to my back got worse. So this was the end of July. By Thanksgiving, I was on the couch in extreme pain, not being able to move. And in that season of my life, I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't work. I think that's better. I did think it started kind of being quiet. I'm not quite sure where I was, but hopefully, did you hear, or do I have to backtrack? Um, I had the biking accident, and that was a dark season in my life because when you're in pain, it's not nice. It's not nice. I I would, and I never knew when it would be when I would be in pain or when the pain would really grip really hard. Like sometimes I couldn't sit, sometimes I couldn't stand, sometimes I would be going upstairs and I'd get stuck on the stairs because I couldn't move one way or another. Sometimes I would be laying in bed or going to try to lay into bed and then I'd say to Paul, help me, help me, help me. And he'd get me, help me out of bed and we had a chair that we sat in the bedroom at that time so I could sit in a chair instead. So I never knew, but it was terrible. And I And in John 15, Jesus says something interesting about uh, the father being the gardener, and he says he cuts off every branch in me that uh, doesn't bear fruit, and the ones that do bear fruit, he prunes so that I can be what? More fruitful, so I can have an increase in my life. And so I think, I don't know whether this was a branch that was coming off that didn't bear any fruit or whether there was something that God wanted to do. But I think because of what happened, I think he wanted to do something in me through this dark time, this dark time where we wait for him to do something. But in that time, there was something stirring, something brooding. The Holy Spirit was brooding in me, and it was this parable of the talents. And I kept thinking about this parable of the talents. Um, And I kept thinking about that thing, well done, good and faithful servant. And I I thought, this thought came to me, I don't want to get to judgment day and have Jesus say to me, I gave you this and this and this and this and you did nothing with it. And so in this time when I couldn't do much, I was like, Is there something that God's put in me that I haven't put to expression, that I haven't developed, that I haven't tried to move forward with? And some things came to mind. And and, and, and I want to speak specifically to mothers here. Guys, you can listen to. Probably, you know, probably means something to you too. But as mothers, we do a lot of our life serving. We serve our families. We serve our children. We serve our husbands. It's all wonderful. I'm not saying, don't do that, do that. But sometimes in that, we can get a little lost with actually what God's put in us to do. And at that time, my kids were probably teenagers. So things had changed a little bit. Um, So I just started looking at what were my interests? What were the things that I enjoyed in life? What What would I like to learn more about? And I started taking some courses. I couldn't work. So I did a long distance education program in um, uh, interior decorating and design. I started with a course at the college in photography and I'd trudge in, trudge in, up the stairs one step at a time, took my lumbar support and sat in some of those classes in extreme pain. And then I took a digital imaging course at the college which was a number of years, night courses, just a course every semester in um, Photoshop and InDesign and all the things that I use today uh, for publishing our books, for um, the stuff that we do on the internet, learned some stuff about that, learned an ability to figure things out um, by taking these courses. And I see God's hand moving in that, just in the interest, that some things that he placed in me that he gave me that he may not have given others. And that is the, that is the key for all of us is to understand that he has made us uniquely, and there are things that we carry and things that he's put in us that are unique to us. Now, other people may have some of those gifts, and what can shut us down sometimes is the whole thing of like, oh, so-and-so does it better. Yes, so-and-so will always do it better, but that doesn't mean that you're not called to do it, and you're not called to increase. Now, in Romans 12, we have the verse verses that Paul is writing To the Romans, um, in verse 12, where he says, you know, that we are, starting in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Oh, we all have gifts. And, and this whole thing about the, the, to the measure that we use with faith, um, we have a measure of faith. And to me, so that, that indicates to me, if we have a measure of faith, if we use that gift that God's given us, what happens to it? It's kind of like a weight lifter. If you're w- lifting weights and you start with a two pounds of weight, and then what do you do? You get stronger, so you add another two pounds. And all of a sudden, you're up to 10 pounds. You're up to 20 pounds. You're up to 50 pounds of weights. You keep going because you've built an endurance and a capacity to do that. And that is exactly how it is with this measure of faith that we have. If we use it, if we put it to use, we get better and better at learning how to use that gift. And God will entrust more. Isn't that what he said in that parable of the talents? What was hidden by the one because he did not use it, was taken from him. And it was given to who? To the one who had the, the 10 bags, who had been given five, he produced more. He's like, this guy will use it because he's, he's built a capacity to be able to do that in his life. And so that's what we're called to. We're called to increase. What, it is, what is it that God has put in you that needs expression? What has he put in you to bless your family, to bless the church, to bless the world with his goodness and his faithfulness. We want to have those glasses on so we can envision the goodness of God in our lives so that we can walk forth. There are many times in my own life that I'm like, I can't do this, and I don't want to do this. But he has something on each of us that only we can do and if we don't move forward in it we won't hear those words well done good and faithful servant maybe the Lord's stirring something in your heart today maybe there's something that he wants to shine a light on maybe it's something small maybe you think it's insignificant a mustard seed is very small but Jesus said It's like faith, and it grows and it becomes this huge plant that birds can perch in and there can be shade given. Don't underestimate what God might want to use with something that He's given you that you think maybe is insignificant. I'm saying it's not. So, our invitation, the call today, is to increase, it's to expand, it's to enlarge our capacity. And I want to end with prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the word that you have for us, that you are calling us, you are inviting us to increase, to expand, to move forward into things that maybe had only been a little glimmer, or maybe it's been a long-lost dream, maybe it's been something that we've, we've started on the journey, but we've kind of abandoned. We ask today that you would stir that up again in us. The gifts, the abilities, the callings that you have on each one of us. That we would walk faithfully with you. That we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen.